Today I, am I on? Yes, thank you. Today I'll be sharing God's word. Uh, Pastor John is out and celebrating with his wife their anniversary, so we wish them the best. Uh, so today we're going to be uh, looking, continuing with our series on Luke, and we're going to uh, start with chapter 19, and we're going to go from verse 1 through 10. It's a very interesting story that many kids would uh, find interesting and probably know this story. But uh, can you think of, a fa of your favorite person, maybe an actor, superhero, or someone important, and it's a person that you're a fan of? Think of someone like that, okay? Now imagine that person is going to visit the area where you live. If you live here in, in Pittsburgh area, he's going to come or she's going to come by this area. And you're excited. Uh, and you get too close. You get close enough to see him or her, but without expecting anything more than that, to see her. Perhaps up close and nothing more or see him. Now, what if that person came up to you and talked to you? Ooh. And not only that, but they knew your name and wanted to go to your house and spend time with you and get to know you deeply. Uh-oh. Maybe it would be exciting, right? Like, yes. But at the same time, kind of weird, no? Like, uh-oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> get away from me. So you would not be sure to trust her or him because when inviting himself or herself to your house, you wouldn't know their intentions, right? His or her intentions. So it may be silly, but it is a reality. We can't really trust anyone to come in our house, even if it's someone that, that we admire, uh, less for her or him to know us deeply and spend time with us. Today, as we continue in our series of the Gospel of Luke, we'll be able to see the story of a man who has an encounter with the only person he can truly trust to deeply know him, and not only that, but has a life-changing experience. So let's open our Bibles. Uh, it's in page 878, Luke 19, 1 through 10, and we can have it, we can read it on, on the screens of there. So... He entered, it's talking about Jesus, remember? Last time we talked that he, Jesus is coming to Jericho. So now he's entering to Jericho. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 
Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Father, be with us. Touch my lips, my mind. In our hearts, Father, that we can listen and receive your word. Help us to understand and learn. Even though this is a very well-known story that you would speak to our hearts and that we can uh, respond accordingly. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last, last week, Pastor John took us to the last part of chapter 18 in Luke with the story of a blind man. Blind man called Bartimaeus. He receives the mercy of Jesus and receives sight, although he already saw. He, he was able to see, not physically, but in his heart. Remember? Uh, when we saw that the mercy of Jesus is for all who believe, the name that the blind man uses to call on Jesus was Son of David, recognizing that he is the Messiah and has come to bring mercy to those who believe in him. In our passage today, in verse 10, Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man. That is also a messianic title. For the Son of Man, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That is a key passage in the whole book of Luke. That's what is pointing out, Luke, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. As well as an important summary of what Jesus has come to do, in general, to bring salvation. So two weeks ago, Pastor John expanded on Luke 18, 31 through 34, saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. The Lord Jesus is explaining how he is going to save the lost by his life, death, and resurrection. But his disciples, they don't seem to understand. They're like, woof, what? what are you talking about, Jesus? Okay, let's continue with our lives. Our main point, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, <clears throat> As we see the story of Zacchaeus, my hope is that we all can understand our need of Jesus, that we can trust him as he came to seek and save the lost. Our main point is because Jesus came to seek and save the lost, we can trust in him. And as we said in the beginning, imagine someone you admire coming to your house, but now think about the most important person in the whole world. And all ages and all times, the most important person. And he's coming to your house knowing you even better than you know yourself. And in this case, you can fully trust him because, well, it's not only the most important in the person in the world, but also... Because he has given himself for you. So how do we show our trust in Jesus? By seeking him, giving ourselves to him, and giving glory to him. So those are our three points. Seeking him, giving ourselves to him, 
and we give glory to him. So first, seeking him. We see in verse 2 that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. If we recall about this position, it was a very denigrating position because the Jewish nation was under the Roman government and they had to pay taxes to the Romans. A regular tax collector would come to his own countrymen to collect not only the taxes for the Romans, but some extra money for themselves. So it's like an IRS person, but worse. No, no, I, I don't mean to say if you work for the IRS, <laughs> it's, it's working for our nation. But <laughs> these people, <laughs> now I'm getting myself more deeper into trouble, but no. But these people, these <laughs> tax collectors were asking for money for their countrymen, raising these taxes for the Roman Empire. So it's kind of like an ugly and dirty job to do. Now... A chief tax collector, so would be most likely to collect, collect from the collectors and collecting more for himself. In other words, a chief thief. As you can imagine, nobody liked him. It says that he was rich, but despite his riches, Zacchaeus is alone and rejected by his neighbors as they criticize Jesus for eating with him. A man who is a sinner. It is obvious that while he is working, he's making extra few thousands here and there. As we read, he was a short man. Zacchaeus, was, Zacchaeus has heard of Jesus and his miracles, and that is what drives him to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus is coming to a point that he does not care what people think of him. He must see who Jesus is for a man of his position would be even ridiculous to go up in a tree. But he doesn't care. He needs to see Jesus. In previous chapters, uh, we saw how Jesus tells the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector. Not a chief tax collector, but this is just a regular tax collector, a publican. In which the tax collector returns home justified. So Zacchaeus might have heard that and knows in his heart that he needs help. And not just any help, but a supernatural help that someone like Jesus can give. That's why, that's why he doesn't care. He goes up on the tree to see Jesus. I need to see Jesus because I heard that he sent this tax collector forgiven. Man. I might be forgiven too. That's why he wants to go. Plus, I mean, being hated by all the people, you don't know if he's standing up. Excuse me, and he's short, about my height, I imagine. Maybe shorter. But uh, I imagine he's, he's going there. And can you imagine just uh, the regular American? No, no, this is not regular American. But, but just the other people there, uh, uh, taller than he is, and if he's asking, hey, can I go, can, can I see what's happening? Oh, this Zacchaeus. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me. Right? I mean, everybody would be bumping on him, hitting him. Maybe he was risking even his life to be with the crowd. So he goes immediately up. But he's saying, I have a chance. Maybe he might forgive me. We also saw how difficult it was for the young rich, another story that we saw, how difficult it was for the young rich man to give up 
all his riches. And for Zacchaeus, as a rich man, might not be different. But he recognizes his great need of a savior. He realizes that giving up to all of his possessions might not even be enough to pay the price for his sinful conduct. Can we identify with Zacchaeus? Eh. Do we understand the depth of our sins? We might say, well, I've never done anything like Zacchaeus. Well, maybe not. But what about stealing something as little as a pencil or a pen? I mean, it's nothing. What about the rest? Nobody would notice, right? Just a little thing nobody would notice. And that is one only thing. What about the rest of the commandments? The Bible tells us that we all have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. In this case, we are just the same as Zacchaeus. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much or how little we have stolen. We are far away from God. And that is just counting the stealing part. And all, remember Jesus is talking about so many different things. If you're looking into a woman in a, in a proper way, it's, you've, you've already commit, committed adultery. So Jesus is, is just reminding us and clarifying where the bar is. Nobody is perfect. We are all sinners in the need of God. So we are lost. That is why Jesus says that he came to seek and save the lost. He came for Zacchaeus and he came for me and for you. Do you want to seek Jesus just like Zacchaeus did? Do you recognize that Jesus is the only one that can help you? Do you recognize that you need of a, your need of a Savior? And actually, we might think that we look for Jesus, but we're wrong. Because he has been already looking for us, even from the beginning of creation. So he knew us even before we were born, even before the creation. He knew us already. So he was already, he already knew that we were going to be lost. So he already knew this perfect plan. So what is next? We give ourselves to him. When Zacchaeus is trying to see Jesus, he is not sure what is going to happen. But he goes all in. Or we might say all up, right? He is hanging up in that tree to see Jesus. Then Jesus stops and calls him by saying, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus proves now that Jesus knows him, even by his name. So he realizes that Jesus is the only one that can change his life. He knows that Jesus knows his story and who he is, the wrongdoing that he has done, but also understands his heart, his loneliness, and the pain his sin has brought him and his house. Zacchaeus responds immediately to Jesus' invitation. He is glad that Jesus has paid attention to him, an insignificant man, man, a sinner. His repentance is true and effective. He does not only pay fourfold what the Lord required from him, as we read in Exodus 22, but he, he even gives half of his goods to the poor. He's a changed man, and this change comes from the joy 
of the forgiveness Jesus is giving him. Can we give ourselves to Jesus? He knows you and me by name and knows, and knows us even better than what we think we know ourselves. Can we answer to his call? What is preventing us from just coming down and receiving him joyfully? Jesus does not tell Zacchaeus to give half of his goods to the poor or even to pay fourfold what he has stolen. Jesus comes without asking Zacchaeus anything except for hosting him. And that's nothing for Zacchaeus. I mean, he's rich. He, he's like, Lord, stay you and as many hundreds that was, wants to stay, right? He's very rich, so he, he doesn't really care uh, hosting one person at all. So many times we say, okay, I'll come to Jesus, but first I have to put my act together. I need to change this. I, give, I need to give up this, or I need to fix this, right? No. Jesus is saying, let me spend time with you. I want to be with you just the way you are. Once we are with him, our response is going to be a true repentance, just like Zacchaeus. And we'll be ready to obey and honor our Lord joyfully. So finally... We joyfully give him glory. It says that Zacchaeus received him joyfully. We can speculate on Zacchaeus being a chief tax collector, not being accepted by the people, and even stealing from many. His character must have been not only tough, but quite rough, right? Especially being always despised by people. Jesus brings joy to his life. He is freed from the slavery caused by his sin. Now he can smile and live a new life. Now Zacchaeus gives glory to God by living a changed life. Zacchaeus is part of what Jesus came to seek and save. We read in verse 8 that Zacchaeus recognizes Jesus as the Lord. Last week we saw that the blind man called Jesus son of David, but also called him Lord Last week, Pastor John noted that Lord is the title used in the Old Testament for Yahweh. For God himself, this is the God of the universe. This, God, this is the God of the covenant made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Zacchaeus says, Lord, your presence here in my house, in my table, your forgiveness and the joy that you give me helps me give you all the glory by giving back and being generous with what you have given me. He glorifies Jesus for who he is and what he has done in him. Jesus confirms a true repentance and what Zacchaeus is offering by saying, Today salvation has come to this house. And then he says, since he also is a son of Abraham. Jesus here is recognizing Zacchaeus as a true Jew. Even though the Jewish society rejected him. But Jesus is saying that Zacchaeus is accepted by his faith. Just like Abraham was accepted by faith. 
not by his linen or by anything that, that Abraham had done, but only by his faith. So Zacchaeus, his faith is turning him around. He's giving all, paying back what he has stolen, and even giving half of his, of his, of his true earnings to the poor. So that's Zacchaeus. It's a transformed heart. It's a transformed life. But it comes by faith. And not merely because he is a descendant of Abraham, as we see in Romans 2, 28 to 29. And when he is referring to this house, some commentators say that Jesus is referring to the whole house of Israel. So, again, Jesus is coming to save his people, the Israeli, Israel, the true Israel, the ones that believe in him. Jesus continues saying about himself, for the son of man. This is another messianic title in our story. Jesus might designate himself as the head of the human family, the man, the one who both furnished the pattern of the perfect man and acted on behalf of all mankind. So the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Yes, Zacchaeus as the lost sheep and his house. Yes, Israel, the lost, who had turned her back on the Lord. But if we see the broader picture, as we mentioned before, it is a key passage for Luke. But, but not only for the book of Luke or for Luke, but for the whole Bible. We see from the very beginning, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship, and that was broken because of their disobedience, passing that to their children and their children's children, all the way to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the way to Zacchaeus. All of them were lost, but as well as the whole world has suffered the consequences, consequences of Adam's sin. In Romans 5.17 says, For if because one man's trespass, Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. One man, Adam, fail. One man, Jesus, comes imperfect, born of, of a Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit, and he lives a perfect life. So one down, one up. If we believe in him, we're up with him. So for one man, the whole humanity was lost. But now for one man, Jesus, all that receive the abundance of grace and free gift will be saved. Last week, Pastor John pointed to us that, was, that what is ahead of Jesus is Jerusalem, where the Lord is going to suffer and die on the cross. And as we read two weeks ago in Luke 18, 31 to 33, and talking the 12, to the 12, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. 
It is the risen Christ who comes and calls you by your name and says, I have come to seek for you. I have given my life on the cross for your sins so you can live a joyful life, giving me glory in everything you do. When we understand the depth of our sin and the gravity of what our sin deserves, we will understand how much Christ has paid for our sins. When we repent and by faith, faith, we receive his forgiveness, we grow more on a close relationship with him. And as Pastor Dave once reminded us about the growth of a Christian life, repentance and faith, repentance and faith, repentance and faith as a daily walk. The result of our gratitude for such grace is joy in our lives. And we will be prompt to give up those things that have been holding us for so much time. As Christians, we might say, well, it's not as easy <laughs> as it sounds. Because many times I suffer. Many times I am sad and, and I cannot get away from that pattern. But Jesus is helping us. He's saying, just like Zacchaeus, let me come in. Let me interact with you. Let me eat with you. Let me spend time with you. And I want you to spend time with me. He wants us. He's here. In Revelation says that he's knocking at our door. And if we open, he comes in and he dines with us and we with him. We dine with him. What is it preventing us? He wants to have that relationship, close relationship. And yes, it's not easy. It ain't easy. But with him, we'll be able to. And being reminded, not only that he is with us through our struggles, but reminded what he's paid for our sins. And reminded, we should be reminded that he is preparing a place for us to dine with him forever. Party all the time, everybody. Glorifying and worshiping God. We will be free from our sins, from our own sin. But at the end of the day, we will be able to rejoice in him giving him glory in this life and the life to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for this story. And uh, help us, Father, to look to you, to do the impossible, to come and meet you, Father. You're waiting for us. You're already seeking for us. Help us also respond with love, seeking for you, Father. Help us seek for a close relationship with you. Seeking you in community as a church. Seeking you personally. Praying every day with our devotionals. Reading your word. And spending time with you. Thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you for uh, this time. And just your spirit spiritual presence within us. And now as we uh, come to your table. Be with us in Jesus name. Amen.